she's okay with that. Um, I'm not going to tell an embarrassing story about Sarah, but I'll tell you one later if you want to hear one. Um, I'm going to tell you a story from my childhood. So growing up, my mom ran an in-home daycare, which was super fun because it was like my best friends were hanging out my house every single day because their parents had to work. And my mom worked, but it didn't feel like she worked because I just got to hang out with my friends all day, right? And, yeah, it was the best. It was the best because I could just hang out with my friends all day long. And there was this kid who was a couple years younger than me, and his name is Colton. And Colton loves to play hide-and-go-seek, but he was actually really terrible at it. Like, terrible. (laughs) Probably competitively the worst hide-and-go-seeker ever. (laughs) Like, the worst. And we would play hide-and-go-seek, and he was about, like, four years old at the time. And he would hide, like, in the living room behind the curtains and, like, move around, and the curtains would move, and you could, like, see his feet, and he wasn't quiet. It was like, what are you doing, Colton? Like, I can definitely see you. But his favorite hiding spot was to sit cross-legged on the couch, (laughs) like, in plain sight, (laughs) with his hands over his eyes. Like, (laughs) he would hide on the couch with his hands over his eyes because he had developed this thought that if he couldn't see you, you couldn't see him. So, like, that <laughs> that was his theory, right? Like, that made a lot of sense for a four-year-old. Um, but it, it wasn't logical. And something that I learned is that sometimes we do that in our own lives. Um, sometimes we sit on the spiritual couch of our life, and we cover our eyes and think that God can't see us <laughs> because we cover our eyes. Um, but the reality is God can see us. He sees us sitting on our spiritual couch, um, covering our eyes, pretending like we can't be seen. But he definitely sees us. So I want to share a story about someone in the Bible who thought that they couldn't be seen. Um, We're going to look at the book of Jonah tonight. Um, Yeah, so a lot of you probably know, like, the kid's story version of Jonah, which is pretty much inaccurate. Um, <laughs> you, you know the story, like, Jonah um, was eaten by a fish, well, a whale in the kid's story, right? The Bible says a big fish. Um, it doesn't say a whale, although maybe it was. I don't know. But we all know, like, the kid's story version, right? Like, Jonah is swallowed by this whale. He gets spit up on the shore, and then he does what God says to do. And he has this really happy, great attitude the whole time. Um, but that's not Jonah at all. Um, Jonah is kind of a cranky guy who has an attitude problem, (laughs) and I think we can learn a lot from him. So we're going to start in um, verse 1, so the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So this is interesting. Um, Jonah decided that he didn't want to go to Nineveh, and he he wanted to get as far away from Nineveh as he possibly could. So if you want to put that map up, um, so he was in the Joppa area over here, and he was told to go to Nineveh, and he went in the complete opposite direction. 
like 2,000 miles in the wrong direction. Um, he decided that he did not want to be anywhere close to where God was calling him. He, he wanted nothing to do with that. Talk about running away. Like, <laughs> I remember running away when I was a child because, <laughs> because I was like, oh, mom, I don't want to clean my room or something. It was something ridiculous like that. And I ran away. Uh, I didn't make it very far. There was a park across the street from my house. So I just hid in, like, you know, like the tunnel that, like, goes to the slide in the park? I hid in that across the street from my parents' house. Um, I was pretty successful in my running away. Um, but Jonah, like, really wanted to run away. He was not going across the street. He was going as far away as he possibly could. All right, we're going to pick up in verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So the captain then goes below deck and wakes up Jonah and is kind of like, Jonah, what's going on? And the Jonah joins the crew, and the storm is still raging. And they they ask him, like, Jonah, like, how can we fix this problem? Because th they've come to the con conclusion that it's associated with Jonah. They're like, okay, Jonah is a part of this problem. He ran away from his God, and we don't know what's going on. And we can read Jonah's response in verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. The crew hesitated at Jonah's request. Because it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> They're like, what? Why would we throw you into the sea? That doesn't make any sense. But what happened was that as, as they continued to talk with Jonah, they, they realized, like, I think this might be the only option, and they throw him overboard. And the, the verse in which they throw him overboard says, don't let your God blame us, basically. That's the, the Brianna paraphrase. Um, <laughs> says, don't, don't let him blame us because you put this upon yourself. So in this first chapter, we can see that Jonah is very clearly fleeing from God. And oftentimes, we do the same thing. We flee from the Lord just as Jonah did. And I believe we can look at Jonah's life and identify what it looks like to flee from God. So what does it look like to flee from God? What does it look like to flee from God? Number one, redirection. Redirection. So the first thing that, that we can learn from Jonah is redirection. Jonah chose to redirect himself. In verse 3, we see that he headed in a completely different direction than what God had asked him to go. So verse 3 says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship Bound for that port, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah put a lot of effort into running away. Like, he actually paid to run away. Like, he paid money to get on this boat to go somewhere different. That would be like, okay, so God says, I want you to go um, minister to people in Wasilla. And you're like, nope, not going to do that. So you go to the airport and you fly to Hawaii instead. <laughs> You're like, Hawaii is a lot nicer than Wasilla. 
Like, <laughs> Hawaii's a lot nicer than Alaska, right? Like, it's really warm there. That's definitely where God is actually calling me and actually wants me to minister. So you, like, pay this ticket, right? Like, Jonah did, did the equivalent in his time. Jonah put so much effort into running away, and it's obvious that he took things into his own hands. He didn't like what God had asked him to do, so he did what he thought was logical. Run. I don't like what God's telling me, so I'm just going to run away from God so he doesn't have to tell me what to do anymore. Like, how, how logical is that? We think that way all the time, right? When someone asks us to do something, we're like, yeah, I'm just going to ignore that and move on with my day. Like, oh, oops, probably shouldn't think that way, right? I've done that before, so I'm not, like, calling out anybody. I definitely have done that. Um, but when was the last time you, you were asked to do something, and instead of responding with an obedient and joyful heart, you allowed your own thoughts or desires to override what God was asking you to do? You ever allowed your own desires to override what God is asking you to do? When we allow our own thoughts or desires to override what God wants us to do, we get ourselves into some pretty messy situations. Jonah ended up in the belly of the fish, which sounds pretty messy to me. And we can end up in in our life's equivalent. So I want you to ask yourself, where am I overriding God's direction? Where am I overriding God's direction? Maybe it's in relationships, choosing a major, befriending new people in your classes. In what areas of your life are you choosing your own own definition of good over God's definition of good? What does it look like to flee from God? Redirection. The second the second thing that we can identify from Jonah's life is isolation. Jonah chose to isolate himself from the people on the ship by going below deck where he fell asleep. He was ashamed of what he had done, so he separated himself from the group. He did not want to be a part of anything that would cause any sort of conflict or confrontation. He just wanted to be separated from the group. And I have a little video clip um, that'll demonstrate this, kind of show us what it looks like to separate ourselves from the group. Cooper, did you eat all of your treats? Cooper. (laughs) So we do that in our lives, right? We do something we're not supposed to do, and then we isolate ourselves. We stick our heads in the corner of our life and pretend like nothing happened, right? Just like that dog. Sometimes we find ourselves in in situations where we allow shame to put us in a corner. And we just choose to sit and ignore what's going on around us. We start to flee from God and from people. And when we're fleeing from God, we flee from people. God puts people in our lives for a reason. They help direct us. They help bring us back to the word of God. They pray for us. They give us godly counsel. So when we begin to run away from God, we separate ourselves from the people who care about us the most. We separate ourselves 
from people who want to protect us, who want to help us, who want to take care of us. When we read about the sailors on that ship, none of them had poor intentions of hurting Jonah at any point. Nobody wanted to hurt him. Nobody wanted to throw him overboard. But Jonah chose to isolate himself. So I want you to ask yourself this. How am I isolating myself from God and people? How am I isolating myself from God and people? Maybe it's choosing to stay home instead of going to small group. Maybe it's closing yourself off from people who really care about you. Maybe you've decided to um, just read your Bible but not pray because you're afraid that God will correct you. How am I isolating myself from God and people? So we have redirection, isolation, and frustration. Frustration. Jonah responded to confrontation with frustration. Have you ever, like, been in a situation and you're like, hey, you, like, drop your pencil, and they're like, oh, my gosh, leave me alone. You're like, okay, you just dropped your pencil. Like, calm down, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) that's kind of how Jonah was in this situation. They were like, hey, what's going on? He's like, throw me overboard. Like, whoa, Jonah, calm down. (laughs) Calm down, right? Like, whew, he did not respond very calmly. Sometimes we get defensive when people try to redirect us. Sometimes when someone confronts us and says, hey, I noticed you haven't been coming to small group lately, we get defensive about that. We don't want somebody to correct us because we would rather sit in our own stink than have someone say, hey, you've kind of got a mess and I want to help. We allow pride to get in the way. We allow whatever it is that we think will be the safer option to get in the way of what God really wants for us. Ask yourself, where am I responding to confrontation with frustration? Where am I responding to confrontation with frustration? Maybe someone notices that you've been gossiping a lot. And they they bring it up, and you get defensive about why it's okay to talk about other people unkindly behind your back. I want to share a story about my friend Cole. A few years ago, my friend Cole and I and our friend Nathan were in Bethel, and we were um, driving this truck and it was like one in the morning and we we're on our way back to the house that we were staying at. And Cole grew up playing this game where when you drove past a cemetery, you held your breath. So we're driving past the cemetery and Cole's holding his breath. And Nathan thought it would be super funny to stop the truck halfway like past the cemetery, right? We're like in the middle, you can see the end of the street and he stops the truck. And both of them are extremely competitive people. So Cole is sitting in the passenger seat, 
holding his breath, and he is not going to back down. And Nathan is driving the truck, and he is not going to lift his foot off the brake. And I am actually stuck in the middle (laughs) of these two guys that are like, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back down. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so dumb. And (laughs) what happens (laughs) what happens is Cole jumps out of the truck because he's not going to lose. So he runs to the end of the cemetery, and he turns towards us, and he's like, ha, like he won, right? Like he definitely won. And Nathan takes the truck, and we drive past Cole because, of course, that would be funny, right? And then we ended up driving, like, into the next street, and we couldn't stop because we were going to get hit by a car if we stopped. So we're like, okay, well, we have to cross the street, and then turn around, we'll pick up Cole. So we cross the street turn around to pick up Cole, Cole is gone, vanished, disappeared, and naturally, I am like, he got hit by a car, he had to have been hit by a car, he's in the ditch dead, like, that was my conclusion, (laughs) and so I get out of the truck, and I'm like, Cole, come on, quit messing around, like, it's time to get back in the truck, I'm tired, let's go home, no response, and Nathan's like, he probably just started walking back to the house, let's just drive around and find him, I was like, okay, So we're driving around Bethel for two hours and cannot find Cole. It is three in the morning at this point. And I am not super happy, but I also am, like, a little bit nervous that something happened to him. Like, I don't know. I'm going to be in so much trouble. I was on a missions trip, and I was the trip leader. (laughs) I, like, lost one of my people. (laughs) Like, oh, gosh, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. And and Cole's missing. Like <laughs> so, <laughs> so we we find Cole and he hops in the truck and he's mad at us for leaving him. He's mad at us for leaving him. And I was like, and he ran away. And he's like, Yeah, I mean, I heard you yelling my name, but I thought it'd be funny to keep hiding. What? You intentionally hid. You intentionally hid from us. And what Cole did is he redirected the situation because he didn't like playing the game Nathan's way. He isolated himself by ignoring what was happening and chose not to respond when we called out for him. And then when he hopped in the truck, he was mad. It was all all our fault that he got lost. What does it look like when we're fleeing from God? What does it look like? It looks like like what Cole did when he he decided that I don't like the situation that I'm in, so I'm going to run away from it. And hopefully I'll be able to find my own way. And then when I don't, I'm going to be upset about it. Jonah did the same thing. So we've identified what it looks like to flee from God in our lives, but how do we stop fleeing? What do we do to stop fleeing from God? And worship team, you can make your way back up. First, we identify distress. We identify distress. We need to recognize that we're not in a good situation. We're going to take a look back at some new verses. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 is where we're going to start. 
Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From the inside of the f- from inside of the, the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, "In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and He listened to my cry. In my distress." Jonah recognized that he wasn't in a good situation. So so the first thing we have to do is realize that our situation isn't all right. Identify the distress in our lives. Secondly, we call out to God. We call out to God. Immediately after Jonah identifies his distress, he says, I called to God. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And chapter 2 is just this prayer that Jonah has to God. He tells God about his own shortcomings and how God has been faithful regardless of them. And we have the power to do the same thing. We simply need to pray and talk to God, admitting our faults and asking for forgiveness, asking for his wisdom and guidance. This week at small group, um, it was after small group, and we were just um, getting ready to film our Alphys video. And um, I opened up my Bible, and I opened up to Proverbs. And it was, like, not, not intentionally. Like, I wasn't looking for anything. And Proverbs 3 talks about wisdom. And it talks about, uh, well, the whole book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. But it, it talks about wisdom and how wisdom is associated with peace. And I had this this margin note that said that if it's not full of peace, it's probably not out of a place of wisdom. And and I just think some, some of you need to hear that tonight, that maybe you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, but if it, if it doesn't feel like you don't have God's peace over it, it's probably not out of God's wisdom. So we identify our distress we call out to God and we resume the plan. When you don't know what to do, resume the plan. Do the last thing that you know God asked you to do. After Jonah's prayer, the fish spit him up back on shore and God reiterated his desire for Jonah to go to Nineveh. He told Jonah he still needed to go to Nineveh. And Jonah went that time. He resumed the plan that God had previously given him. And we can do that in our lives. We can resume the plan that God has given us when we've gotten off track. And he'll remind us of it just as he reminded Jonah. When we approach him with a humble heart and say that I'm not quite in the right spot, but I want to be. And he redirects us. So where is the Nineveh in your life? Where is the Nineveh in your life? Where is it that God has called you to go that you haven't gone? What is it that God has asked you to do that you haven't done? Who is it that God has wanted you to talk to but you haven't talked to them? Where is the Nineveh in your life? You might have to do some damage control on your way back to Nineveh. 
But that's okay. God will help you each and every step of the way. God has a specific plan and purpose for each and every single one of us. And when we get off course, he'll redirect us if we ask him to. So tonight, I just want you to to close your eyes for a minute and just respond to God if he's asking you, if he's asking you to redirect where you're going, if he wants you to make a course correction in your life and go back to the thing that he has called you to do, that he's asked you to do. And if you feel like the Lord is tugging on your heart in that way, I'd like you to raise your hand. You just need that course correction. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray over that. God, I just thank you so much for who you are, that you're a good God, that when we're sitting on the couch of our lives, you see us and we cover our eyes and we choose not to see you. Lord, and I just ask that in this moment that, yeah, God, that you would just bring peace and that you would redirect and correct those of us that need that redirection and correction in our lives, God. And I ask that you would bring us back to you, that you would put us back on the course that you intended us to be on. Lord, I just thank you so much for that in Jesus' name. with your eyes still closed, I have another question for you guys. Maybe you have no idea what it looks like to follow what God's asking you to do because you don't have a relationship with him. You don't know what it's like to have a relationship with God to even hear his voice. If that resonates with you, I ask that you just look up at me. Thank you. If, that, if that's something that tugs on your heart and you're wanting to learn more about what it looks like to have a relationship with God and gain direction for your life, I encourage you to find um, either Steve or Aaron or myself, and we'll explain that to you. We'll explain what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus and pray with you. So if that's you, please come find us in the back. And for the next few moments, we're just going to reflect on what God has for us allow him to speak allow him to speak to our hearts